premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired and preserved Word of God, the King James Bible, as our final authority. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Rusiello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and it's great to be with you once again as we open and study the Word of God. My prayer for you this morning is that wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform you're listening to us on, you find yourself in the grace of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, before we get into the Bible study this morning, would you please visit our website? It's swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and go over to our contact section and send us a message. Let us know what's on your heart, what's on your mind, and if you have any questions or comments, especially any prayer requests, I would really love to hear from you guys. But if you don't like to use those web forms, hey, that's okay. You could also email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And also, while you're on the website, why don't you look for that Support This Podcast button, and if the Lord leads you to do so, please consider supporting this ministry. We have it set up for $0.99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, and five and uh, sorry, $9.99 a month. I'm not really good at asking for support, so... Uh, what I'll tell you is, is that if you support, if you if you want to help support this ministry in, in getting the gospel out, helping us to expand, keeping the lights on, keeping the servers running, uh, we, you know, please consider making a monthly donation, and we will thank you for it. Uh, I'd also like to say thank you to all of our current supporters, those that uh, support us uh, prayerfully as well as financially, uh, and of course to all of our listeners. And folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, please visit us at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. Our Sunday school hours are 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, you can visit our church's Facebook page. Uh, just search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. You'll find episodes of this podcast on there as well, and a lot of other helpful information. Uh, you know, you could also find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So wherever you're listening, just be sure to, to share it with your friends, your family, your followers, and help us to spread the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, just a, a couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, so yesterday we had our uh, our special Father's Day episode, which we did live on Spreaker. There was a player on the uh, on the homepage to sort of the spirit podcast.com. And so I want to say thank you to all of those that had listened live. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And I hope you got a blessing out of that message. And I hope you also had a great Father's Day to you dads out there listening. Um, also uh, coming up June 26th, I'll be preaching at First Baptist Church, uh, our church. Uh, at 6 p.m. So if you'd like to come on out for that, feel free to visit. We would love to have you, and we would love to see you. Uh, let's see, what else? We also have our prayer requests. Um, so our prayer requests haven't changed. So we still have uh, prayer requests for Bernice and Adam. Uh, Bernice for her health. Uh, Adam is her husband. We have also Pastor Martin out in Ohio. My mom for her salvation and her health. My sister for her salvation. Uh, my granddaughter for her salvation, my friend David for his salvation, my in-laws for their salvation, 
And, uh, you know, it's uh, also, I want to pray for my daughter as well, who uh, who we found out recently she is pregnant and uh, expecting an, another grandbaby on the way. So uh, we're really thankful for that. So uh, as you pray, just keep those folks in prayer. And uh, our Father, we want to thank you so much for all of these that are on our prayer list. Uh, whether it's short, whether it's long, it doesn't matter, Lord. They're on our list, and we're going to pray for them until they tell us otherwise. But, Father, we just pray that you would um, you would just touch each one of them, that you would bless each one of them, uh, meet their needs according to your will. And, Father God, for all the unspoken prayer requests that are out there that we uh, haven't been told of, Father, we pray that uh, that you would respond to those as well according to your perfect will. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks. Well, we're going to take a short break. Uh, and uh, so while we're doing that, why don't you go get your King James Bible, grab a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, and then when you come back, we're going to be getting into today's Bible study on God's judgment on sin. And it's going to be a great study. So go grab that Bible, and we'll catch up to you as soon as we get back. And we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. All right. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Ruscello. And uh, this morning, we're going to get into a study on God's judgment on sin. And uh, there are seven judgments that are actually found in the Bible. Uh, I'm not going to deal with all seven of them. Instead, I'm just going to deal with four of them today. Uh, But there are seven. And let me tell you what those are. The first judgment uh, is God's judgment on sin at Calvary. The second is the self-judgment of the believer, which I'll explain. The third is the judgment seat of Christ. And the fourth is the great white throne judgment. Now, those are the four that we're going to look at today, but there are three others. And those three are Israel's judgment during the tribulation. I mean, after all, that's what the tribulation is all about. Then there's the judgment of the nations in Matthew 25. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're told... Know ye not that you shall judge angels? So someone's going to be judging the angels somewhere down the road. 
And so as you examine the Bible, you find seven judgments, and that's not really a surprise because God does all kinds of things in multiples of seven. However, this morning, we're going to turn our attention to the first four, and in understanding these four judgments, we'll have a far greater perspective of what God is telling us. So let's begin by taking our Bibles and turning over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll go to verse number 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Our blessed and gracious Heavenly Father, as we approach your throne this morning, we do so in great reverence, understanding that you are a God of mercy, yes, a God of love, for sure, but God, you are also a God of wrath and a God of, ju of judgment. Your book declares it. It makes it abundantly clear. And today, we seek to know something about your judgment. We seek to know something about that part of your attribute. And so, Lord, I pray that you, I pray that you speak and minister to those here today under the hearing of my voice and to help them to understand these great truths and principles from the Holy Bible. And if you would choose to save someone today, we would be thrilled. If you would choose, and if you would inform us and teach us, we would be grateful. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, our text says this, For he hath made him. Now, the him, of course, is Jesus Christ. All right? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, how did God do that? How did God make Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, who never participated in a sin, who never had a sinful thought, who never had a sinful attitude, who was God himself, who was God incarnate, how did God make Jesus Christ to be sin for me? Well, do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God literally forsook his only begotten son and left him hanging between heaven and earth on an old rugged cross. And Jesus acknowledged that forsaking by what he said. And by assuming upon his body, as Peter said, in his body, he bore our sins. Isaiah says it this way. Isaiah says his soul became an offering for our sins. He literally became sin for us. So in other words, he took the penalty. He took the rap. He did it for me. Jesus became the personification of sin. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And let's look at verse number 14. John chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now, who's the serpent in the Bible? Who's the serpent in the Bible? Well, Satan is the serpent. The devil. Isn't he portrayed as a serpent? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Well, do you remember back the story back in Numbers? Do you remember how all the people were running around because God sent a whole bunch of snakes and they were getting bitten by these snakes. They were getting sick and they were dying. And, and Moses said, Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord said, all right, here's what you're going to do. You make a serpent, an image of a serpent, and you put it on a pole. Then you lift it up and you tell people that what they have to do to live is to look and live. Now, the Lord comes along and uses that illustration, that incident, and he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So in other words, Jesus Christ 
became comparable to the very personification of sin, who is and which is the devil. Now, if you wanted to take all the sin in the universe and embody it in one person, who would you put it in? Satan, right? So Jesus Christ literally became as the devil in that he was literally filled from top to bottom with sin. Jesus Christ became sin for us. The very thing that condemns people. Moses didn't hide the bronze serpent. He lifted it up on a pole and put the pole where everyone can see it. So was our Lord crucified publicly outside the city of Jerusalem. And all those who hear the gospel can look to him and live. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the first judgment we see in the Bible is God's judgment on sin. So does anybody listening know or have you ever heard of what of a backfire? Well, during the pioneer days, when the grass would be growing high out in the plain states, one of the biggest fears would be of prairie fires. Logically, lightning would hit the dry grass, start the fire, and then the 40 mile per hour, per hour winds would come along and spread it out really fast. The best way that they learned how to deal with this was to start what they called a backfire. And what they would do is they would get out into the tall grass and they would start a fire. They would burn out a big patch and then they would move their wagons into the place that was already burned. When the fire approached them, it would only go as far as the burn line and they were a safe distance away from that. The fire would burn around them and they were left safe. That's a backfire. So do you know what Calvary is? Calvary is my backfire. You know, lightning was the biggest cause of prairie fires back then, more than anything else, just like forest fires today. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord struck lightning right there on his own son, and he said to me, you can move right in there. Just move right in. The fire will burn around you, but it won't get you. Calvary is my backfire. Is it yours? Have you moved in? Why don't you turn with me over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. God's judgment upon sin. If God is righteous, and what's the point of having a God if he isn't righteous? What's the point of having a sinful God? Think about that. What can a simple what, what can a sinful God do for you? Well, absolutely nothing. He can't help you in any way, shape, or form. If God is holy, and God is holy, and we, what's the point of having a God if he isn't holy? If God is righteous, and God is holy then God cannot tolerate sin in his presence. So somehow, the sin issue has to be dealt with. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's my backfire right there. Now Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, and verse number 7, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now that word impute, that word impute's a great word. So the next time one of these cultists comes to your door, and if you understand anything about cults, you'll know that none of them really believe that Jesus Christ is a backfire. They all believe that their works and their righteousness and their self-righteousness, that's what's going to get them out of God's judgment. Every one of them believe that. They all do. That's one of the first ways that you can identify a cult. So, the, But the next time one of these cultists come to your door, this is how you trip them up and maybe even get them to think a little bit. Ask them this question. Can you explain the doctrine of imputation? Ask them that. Ask them. 
I guarantee you that you'll find that none of them have ever even entertained the idea of that. Now, the Bible says this, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, when you impute something, it means that you charge it to the account. That's what imputation means. Uh, how about when you go to the bank and you, and you make a deposit in the bank? All right, say you, get your, say you get paid. You go to the bank, you deposit your paycheck, you, uh, you go to make your deposit, and, and you go up to the window, you hand them the papers. In effect, you're saying to the bank, impute this to my account. That's what you're saying. The Lord says that if you're there where God has struck lightning and you get into his backfire, he will not charge your sin to your account. He charged it to Jesus Christ's account. He paid it for me. So that's judgment number one. Well, judgment number two. This is another judgment that we find in the Bible. Judgment number two. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, there's a lot of erroneous pieces of, of information out that are being passed around about judging. Okay, And I'm sure that at one point we've all heard someone say, Well, you know, the Bible says, Judge not lest ye be judged. You can't judge anybody. You know, the problem with that is that most of the time, the person who says this doesn't know even where that scripture is, okay, or who said it, or what the context was. All they know is that somebody somewhere said they think, judge not lest you be judged. It's like every wino on the street knows, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake and had often infirmities. Now, it's true that Jesus said that. But the Bible also says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. There are some things that you're supposed to judge, and there are some things that you're not supposed to judge. And then there are some things that God is going to judge. Now, the first thing you're supposed to judge is yourself. Let's read the passage, beginning in verse 31. For if, if we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So the believer is told to judge himself. Now, how does he do that? How do you judge yourself? I mean, we're told to do it. We're told to do that so that God doesn't have to judge us. But how do we do that? Well, turn with me over to 1 John, and let's find out how we judge ourselves. 1 John. 1 John in chapter 1, and let's look at verse number 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Now, I want you to notice that the subject here is fellowship. It's not sonship. It's not heirship. It's fellowship. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from some of our sin. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says, cleanseth us from all sin. Do you know what the word for all means in the original Greek? It means all. Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's continue. If we, say that we have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. All right, so here's how it works. God says this, the first thing you need to do in judging yourself is to be honest with yourself. Stop fooling yourself. Stop kidding yourself. 
He says you need to look at yourself and realize what you are, a sinner. He says that once you understand that and recognize that there's sin in your life, you need to come clean with the Lord. You need to tell the Lord and confess it to him. That maintains fellowship. Now, if a Christian refuses to do that, the Bible says the Lord will chasten him. Turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Have you ever gotten chastened in your life? Man, I have. And I'm not proud of that, but I have. And I know that modern society says we're not supposed to spank our children, but ask yourself how that measures up to Scripture. Have you ever been chastened? Do you know what a good dad does? He chastens his children. You know, I had a good dad. My earthly dad. I had a good dad. My dad chastened me when I needed to be. Do you think that the Lord's a good dad? Well, let's read the verse together. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? All right, now there's one way of getting out of God spanking you. And do you know what that is? Well, you spank yourself. Spank yourself. Now, I don't mean going out and smacking yourself on the back with a cat of nine tails or something like that. All right. I mean, you get on your knees and you say, Lord, I'm the problem. I sinned. I confess it. Please forgive me. And is there any record in the Bible where God chastens someone who is confessing his or her sins? Of course not. God doesn't chasten confession. Instead, he says, okay, enough said. Let's close the book on that. You know, a lot of people have the idea that every time they sin, they lose their sonship. You don't lose your sonship. You lose your fellowship. You lose your fellowship. Now, we talked about this a little bit in yesterday's message on Father's Day, but have any of you studied the doctrine of adoption? Well, I had just started to study it when I left to go to Washington State a few years back, and while I was there, I heard a story that made, made it really come crashing home. The pastor of the church that I was visiting told me a story about this, and, and it all happened just hours before I got there. His wife was teaching a Sunday school class the Sunday before I got there, and there was a little boy in her class named uh, Troy, I think. And uh, Troy was a foster child to one of the families in that church. The pastor's wife was trying to teach them something about prayer, and she asked the question, have any of you had God answer a prayer? Well, this young man lifted up his hand and said, oh, yes, oh, yes, I asked God to give me a nice family, and he did. And he was only nine years old. The following Thursday, the day I was scheduled to arrive, uh, this young boy came, tra came crashing into the church shouting, Pastor, Pastor, tomorrow I get adopted. And he ran to the pastor's wife, Tomorrow I get adopted. He ran all over the church. Tomorrow I get adopted. Well, let me tell you something that I've learned about adoption. According to the law, if you have a biological child, you can disown him. You can disown him. But according to the law, you cannot disown an adopted child. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever studied the doctrine of adoption? When I got saved, God adopted me into his family. He came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God. God's not going to disown you. He may spank you. He may chasten you. Well, why? Because a good father chasteneth him whom he loveth. 
But you see, he's also given you an out. He says, I don't want to do it. I'll do it if I have to. But if you don't want me to spank you, spank yourself. Judge yourself. Judge yourself. Well, there's a third judgment. And would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm sorry, correction. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And here we read. For now we all must for now we must all appear. Now the all here is not as inclusive as you might think. That's because this is being addressed to Christians. It's not being addressed to every heathen and sinner in the world. It's for believers. Every Christian, you see. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether good or bad. Now, this judgment is the judgment of the believer for his works. Now, one day, immediately following the rapture, you're going to be transferred. Transferred, I'm sorry. You're going to be transported. If you're a believer, you're going to be transported to heaven. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to hit the judgment seat of Christ. And then God's going to judge you for your works. Now, some people get confused about this. They think that God's going to judge their sins. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that nowhere. The Bible does not say he's going to judge your sins. He's going to judge your works. And do you know why that is? Because God already judged your sins back at Calvary. He's already taken care of the sin problem. That's, a, that's settled at Calvary. He, God's not going to judge my sin. He judged his son on my behalf. He's my propitiation. He's my substitute. So then what's he going to judge? Well, he's going to judge my works. So now you may be sitting there asking yourself, well, what's the difference? Well, it's a pretty big difference, actually. Your soul doesn't stand in jeopardy at the judgment seat of Christ because that's a settled issue with God. He's not going to disown you as a child of God, but he's going to judge your works. And what's at jeopardy here is your reward. Because you see, the Lord has a reward system in place. And, and let me say it this way, okay? I, I, I think... And I really believe that God is a capitalist. All right. Now, I want you to notice what you're going to be judged for. Your works. Right. God rewards work. So he's going to judge you and he's going to judge me according to our works. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, this has nothing to do with salvation. This has everything to do with reward. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Look at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Now, notice it's not your sin that's being made manifest. And aren't you glad of that? I mean, when I hit the judgment seat of Christ, my sin is not the issue. Amen? Amen. I mean, how would you like all of your sins put on open display before the entire university? No, that's not going to happen. That's all taken care of back at Calvary. But you see, God is going to judge my works. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now notice this. Notice this. But he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire 
So you're not losing your soul or your salvation, but you're losing a reward. God has a system in place, and it's fair, whether you recognize it to be so or not. And let me illustrate it this way. Here's a guy who's saved, and that's fine. He gives lip service to the Lord. He has some kind of a testimony. He he even has a Bible in his house. He goes to church occasionally when there's absolutely nothing else he has to do. He reads his Bible maybe three or four times a year. And the last time he prayed was when he almost got sideswiped on the highway by a Mack truck. Right? But he says he's saved. Now, there's another guy, and he's serving Jesus Christ the best way he knows how. And it seems like every time this guy turns around, he's getting kicked in his teeth. He's got family problems. He's got health problems. He's got financial problems. And it just seems like he's constantly getting knocked down. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. So the time comes now when they both hit the judgment seat of Christ. The one guy that spent his whole life getting knocked around but kept on serving God, kept on witnessing, kept on coming to church, kept on reading his Bible, kept on praying, kept on doing what he knew was right to do, what God laid on his heart to do, and now he's there, right there, next to the guy that just gave lip service. Do you think, do you really think that God is just going to pat them both in the back and say, you guys did a great job, welcome home, equal reward? Probably not. Probably not. Luke 19, Luke chapter 19 is a graphic example of why that couldn't possibly be true and why God dispenses according to the work. God is going to balance the books. And the balancing is not in this life, but after this life at the judgment seat of Christ. Then there's something else. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Try every man's work of what sort it is. The word sort here means type. So what type of work? And what type of work is determined by your motive? What's your motive? You know, it's not so much what you do, but why you do it. Okay? And that bothers me. I'll I'll be honest with you. That bothers me. You know, I used to talk with my brothers in Christ about this for hours because it bothered me so much. And I, I think this is something that I have to wrestle with all the time. I mean, look, I like to preach. Okay? But what's my motive? You know, I like to do the podcast. But what's my motive? You know, sometimes I don't know. You know, I have to look at my own heart and ask, you know, what's my motive? You know, I've noticed over my years of being saved that people like to do what they like to do, even in church. People say, well, I sing. Yeah, but you like to sing. Well, I went to the men's fellowship and ate pizza. Yeah, but you like to do that. All right. That should always make you wonder about your motive. You're doing it because you like it. How much do you do for the Lord that you don't like to do? I mean, if you can come up with a list of things that you do purely for Jesus Christ and you don't enjoy doing them, then you could probably say with some confidence that your motive is right. You know, there are some people that say, I'm not going out to hand out tracks. I don't like doing that. Well, you know something? Who cares if you don't like to hand out tracks? Who cares? That's not the point. I mean, I mean, really, you mean to say that you can't go out of your way one night a month maybe or, or drop a track down at a restaurant when you're out to dinner with your family or, or, or do something that you don't like to do as an endorsement to say to a lost person, this is worth being here for? You are worth this. This is worth hearing. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Motive, man. Motive. And that's the judgment seat of Christ. And with that, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue on and finish the lesson for today. Stay where you are. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair When the Savior of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is caught up yonder I'll be folks and welcome back to the sword of the spirit podcast this is joe russiello and we left off uh we just finished up the judgment seat of christ and now here's the last one for today the last one for today turn with me over to revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 revelation 20 and verse 11 
So, so far we've had God's judgment on sin. Then we had the self-judgment of the believer. Then we had the judgment seat of Christ. And now we come to the great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now this is the judgment of sinners. When a man hits this one, he does so in the filthiness of his own self-righteousness. Do you know what God calls your self-righteousness? Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, All of your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The man that hits this judgment is the one that spent his whole life declaring to others and to God that he was willing to be judged by his own merit. He's the one that says, Well, you know, I keep the Ten Commandments. This is the one that says, Well, you know, I obey the golden rule. I do unto others as they would do unto me. I believe that. And he spends a lifetime expostulating his own self-righteousness. Well, when this man gets to the great white throne, God says, Okay, that's the basis on which you choose to be judged. Therefore, we will accommodate your request. We will judge you based upon your own self-righteousness. Now, I know better, and I hope you know better, because the Bible taught better. I don't want to be judged by me. All my judgment was taken care of at Calvary. But you see, the world is full of these people that, that, that want to be judged by their own self-righteousness, and it's been that way for centuries, for centuries. Well, now here he is before God, and God says, how do you plead, guilty or not guilty? And this poor guy says, not guilty. God then says, open the books. And the books are opened. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word. The Lord says, open the books and let's see about your idle words. Let's talk about all your jokes. Let's talk about your vocabulary. Let's talk about your idle words. Oh, man. The Bible says, An evil and adulterous generation looketh after a sign. This man said one time, like a lot of people do, I can't believe in God unless he shows me a sign. God says, Okay, let's look at that. And then the list goes on and on and on. And that's called the great white throne judgment. Every person that, that never professed a belief and trust in the word of God that has ever lived in all of time is one day going to hit that judgment. And God is going to accommodate them, judge them according to their works, per their request, not his. But God is recommending this. Get your judgment handled as far as sin is concerned at Calvary. But this man that we're talking about says, no, no, I'm a pretty good guy. 
my grandmother was a prayer warrior. She's a she was a special saint. And I, I was baptized as a baby. And and I did all my sacraments. God says, "Okay. Well, let's just study the books for a little while." You know, the the Lord's got a strange attitude about certain things. You know, the Lord doesn't look on the outside very much. He spends most of the time looking on the inside. The Lord says, "Let's part your heart for a while and let me see." Have you ever called your brother a fool? Well, you're in danger of hellfire because you hate your brother and you're as good as a murderer. He says, did you ever look at a woman and lust after her? Well, that's to commit adultery already. That's what the Lord said. Do you remember when the Lord was coming down a street in Galilee and he came to a fig tree and it, and it didn't appear like the, the tree was bearing any fruit? Well, what did he do? Well, he parted the leaves and he looked underneath. That's what the Lord does. You know what the fig leaves are a picture of in the Bible? Do you remember back in Genesis? Do you remember Adam and Eve? After they fell, what do they do? They made themselves aprons of fig leaves. You see, fig leaves are a picture of human self-righteousness. The Lord parts the leaves and he looks beyond them. So if you want to be judged on your self-righteousness, the Lord will give you a chance. And by the time he exposes your heart, and he exposes what you really are, you're going to be screaming to get out of there. You're going, to, you're going to hold your hands to your ears and you'll be screaming, help me, help me, help me. I'm guilty. Just get me out of this. And the picture that's painted in Revelation 20 is that they're standing on nothing. For heaven and earth have departed and you're standing on nothing. And then you'll hear those horrific words that Jesus said. Depart me, thou workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And then you're going to fall. You're going to fall 16 billion light years into space, into the eternal lake of fire. Now you may be saying to yourself, man, that's pretty tough talk. You shouldn't be talking that way. Well, you know what? I wish I didn't have to. I wish my only message here was a warm and fuzzy, make you feel good kind of message. But you know, the Bible says that I would be a false prophet and a liar. That's the truth. That's the truth. You can call it any way you want to call it. I called my deal at Calvary. I said, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you know what? He saved me. From that point, the Lord said he would never judge my sin again. He said, I'll judge your works. But that's only to determine your reward. And my friends, as I travel through the wilderness of this world, I can prevent myself from getting a spanking by prayer and by confession. You see, I don't have to face the great white throne judgment. But if you're relying on yourself and your self-righteousness, if you're relying on your good works and these little pet philosophies, you're going to hit the white throne judgment. And that's going to be a shock. So let's talk about you. Are you under the sound of my voice, are you in the backfire of Calvary? If you're not, just listen. If you're not, you could be. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I'm a wretched mess. Please forgive me and save me. And if you really mean it, he'd do it. He would do it. Well, my friends, I'm st- we seem to have run out of time for today. 
So I want to say thank you so much for everybody that's been listening. And I, I hope that this message is a blessing to your heart. It's so important, though. It really is so important. Get yourself in the backfire of Calvary. Get yourself under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, folks, you don't want to stand at the great white throne of judgment. You don't want to stand there. That's going to be a horrific and horrific time. Get in the backfire of Calvary. Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ today. And if you do, let me know. Send me a message. I would love to pray for you. If you have any questions about this whatsoever, send me an email. I'd be happy to talk about this with you. One-on-one. This is important. This is very important. It's probably the most important thing that you could decide for yourself in your life. Get in the backfire of Calvary. So again, thank you for uh, allowing me this time to be with you guys. And thank you so much for listening. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again next week. But until then, may God richly bless you and God keep you. And until, I t- until we see each other again, have a great day. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day. Well, that's about it, really. The film ends mainly visually.